What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my Splash Pro, and my co-host, Zach. Before we get through the Warriors' struggles, let's talk about March Madness, a little off-topic stuff. St. Peter's, I mean, the 15th seed making a Cinderella story in the dance. What do you think of them? Like, such unexpected stuff happening in the dance so like what do you think about it go cox go peacocks that's my team right there yeah not michigan Um, state anymore right (laughs) 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 Mm, yeah it's not funny but i'm i'm telling you i'm telling you i'm telling you everyone's saying that uh davidson's gonna upset michigan state bs man michigan state came out they got lucky michigan state got lucky they, they didn't get lucky. They beat <laughs> Davidson. It's all about surviving and advancing. Then they then they played Duke. Probably the best team. I wouldn't say the best team that Duke played, but they gave Duke they gave Duke a run for their money. Some people were saying that Michigan State would get blown out. BS. Michigan State was up five with three minutes left and bottle dropped it. But you know, what can you do? But um, anything can happen in March. Uh, currently, with the remaining teams, Peter's Final Four. Uh, no, I don't think they beat North Carolina. I think it's a very good story. Um, but if we're picking the teams remaining to win it all, as much as I hate Duke, I think Duke will probably win. Yeah, I think everything's like riding behind. Um, Duke winning. You got Coach K final season. You got a possible Duke versus North Carolina in the final four if they meet up. So it's riding with them. So hoping we have good uh, matches coming forward, especially with the Elite Eight happening today or tomorrow as of release of this episode. But moving on, Warriors. Um, Warriors are one and three in the games where Steph hasn't played. Um, Instead of us just recapping the game, we're just going to list some topics um, that we thought that needed to be discussed. Let's talk about Jordan Poole. Um, The man has been unreal, even with Steph on the floor. But after Steph's injury, he's really been carrying the load. And I expect the Warriors to re-sign him and extend him in the offseason. Um, if the Warriors don't, don't re-sign him, you know, you told me this, Zach, like you would go ape, ape, you know, you will lose your stuff. Go, so, go ape shit. Excuse my French. Sorry, mom, for the bad language, but I'd be pissed straight up. You choose doing that means you would probably be choosing Andrew Wiggins over Jordan Poole. And at this point, with the way Andrew Wiggins has played ever since the All-Star break, he's not the option that the Warriors need. And the option the Warriors need is Jordan Poole to lock him up, to pair him with Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, and build a young core after Steph, Clay, and Draymond all leave. But Does it remind you of the James Harden deal in OKC with Jordan Poole? Do you kind of see it or I can I can partly see it that you have I think in I think in that situation is that you had a big three who made it to the NBA finals while in this situation you already have that big three, but you have a young and upcoming young um and uh player who's growing and coming into his coming into his own um, in the NBA who is coming into a restricted free agent year contract year who should be resigned. Now I think the word, I think he is worth a lot of money and I think a lot of teams are willing to pay a lot of money for to pay Jordan pool a lot of money. And I don't, I don't think, I think the warrior should do just pay him his money, man. He has shown night in and night out 
for 12 straight games that he can be the primary option. That he can go that he can go and get you a bucket whenever needed. And Andrew Riggins can't show that. And Andrew Riggins is not worth how much whatever the money is he's getting paid right now. Not worth it. They should basically switch contracts. Switch contracts with the both of them, and we're good. Um, I want to know what do you think is like the fair value for Jordan Poole's value in this market? Like, would you say four years for 80? Uh, four years for 90. What are you thinking? Because I'm thinking like the 85 million dollar range or something, it's which is reasonable. Five year, 100 million dollars, lock him up for good. But I think the most ideal contract that'll probably four years, eight million dollars. Probably, I mean, I don't know of that 2019 draft class, I don't think I've seen any player get re-signed yet or signed to a new deal. So I don't know what a deal looks like from that draft class, but you can seriously make an argument out of that draft class where you had Zion, RJ Barrett, uh, Ja, um, those guys at the top, you could seriously make an argument to put Jordan Poole in those top 10 players. No, I would say he's top five. He's top five. Easily. Well, you, you, Zion is Zion. I would put in the top five, even without playing a, even without playing a majority of the games. I would probably put Ja and Darius Garland in that conversation as well. RJ Barrett, I think he'll be a very good player. Yes, yeah, so you realistically could put him in top five. I'm gonna pull up the 2019 draft class real quick, but yeah, but like um, if you would seriously do a redraft, like Jordan Poole would not be at the 29th yeah, pick. Let's exactly, be honest here. Exactly. And the, the the surprising thing about that was is that the Warriors were uh draft experts were looking down on the Warriors for picking him at 29. They thought that was way too early and they would thought he was a second round pick. He, he is seriously right now if looking you like prob- the best the best draft pick the Warriors have had in a long time. Probably the best draft pick since Draymond Green, if we're being honest here. The Warriors had several, during the dynasty years, they had several misses on James Mac or Mac, James Michael McAdoo. He played for North Carolina, I'm pretty sure. Jacob Evans. McCaw. Um, Patrick McCaw. Jordan Bell. All of those. Alan Smiley-Geach. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, well, that was a... Remember, there was, was a, a tweak. There was a tweet on Twitter that was roasting Bob Myers for picking Jordan Poole ahead of Taylor Horn Tucker. Remember that Laker, tweet? Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Poole is what the Lakers fans wanted Taylor Horn Tucker to be. So you look at the top three were Zion, John, and RJ Barrett. Those are probably, I would still put them at top five for, if you're redrafting that class. Probably Jaw would be number one in my opinion. Yeah. Darius Garland, that he is a very good point guard. He's definitely in top five. But you go down the list and you see Kobe White, who's a role player for the Bulls. I wouldn't put him in top five. Tyler Hero, get the hell out of here. Tyler Hero was good in the bubble. Hasn't been good since. Um, he's a normal role player. So no, and he's coming off the bench um, too. But seriously, you can put him in the top five. You're right. Because you look at Matisse Tybalt, very good player. I'd probably put him in the top 10. Top 10 but, for sure. But if we're looking at the 20s range, the three guys that stick out to me that are steals looking at it now are Matisse Tybalt, Jordan Poole, and Kelvin Johnson of the Spurs. All three of those guys. Yeah. Did, um, yeah. But Jordan Poole, if we're if I'm if for my rankings right now. I'd probably put Jod one, Zion at two, um, RJ Barrett at three, Jordan Poole at four, and Darius Garland at five. Yeah, I feel that's a really solid list, but probably switch Garland with Poole because definitely Garland had the all-star nod just because of that. And, but like, we'll see later on, but I think Jordan Poole could really be like the top three guy in this draft class. So um I really think, obviously, uh, Warriors have to pay him. If not, it would be a complete failure by the front office. Um, but let's move on. Um, past, I want to talk about two games here. I know we had four games that have happened between last episode, but the two games that stood out to me the most was the Magic game and the Miami Heat game. 
let's just say the Miami Heat, I mean, sorry, the, the Magic game was an utter disappointment. You had Draymond and Clay, and you can't beat Orlando. What does that say about this Warriors team, Zach? Can you, like, say that in one word? What does that mean for this team without Steph? You can't um, beat a bottom-tier team without Steph. Like, I mean, from watching that game, that was probably the most frustrated I've been as a Warriors fan since last year. And there was a lot of those losses last year. Um, but honestly, the Miami Heat game really put that game in the rear view window for me as that Heat game was. It was the young guns. Yeah. Without Miami, the veterans. The, the Miami Heat were no, the first place team in the, in the Eastern Conference at that at on Wednesday. And the Warriors put out a starting lineup of Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Wiggins, Wiggins, and Kevon Looney. And you're going up against a lineup of Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Bam Adebayo, and... I don't know who would be the fourth. I don't know. I actually don't know who their fifth is. No, but I'm just saying that I think that was impressive and it showed Jonathan Kaminga's potential and also so showed how Jordan good Jordan Poole is. But going back to the Orlando game. Um, like what happened? Because I wasn't able to watch, but like it was a defensive breakdown. Was it offensive? It was just defense all around. You can't. No closeouts, one to begin with. Um, the Warriors let Franz Wagner eat them alive. Um, and by the way, Franz Wagner is a rookie. Um, and the Magic are 19 and 53. That's the, that, that, that's, the, that's the bad part from the loss, is that they lost to a team who is, along with the Pistons and the Rockets, are bottom three teams in the NBA. Um, it's... What Draymond showed me is that he still isn't a threat. It still doesn't help offensively, scoring wise. Um, Clay didn't shoot the ball well. It just seemed like the ball wasn't going in the hoop. It was a bad shooting night overall. Um, Andrew Wiggins was not playing. Um, it was like I think it was like it was a terrible shooting for him. It was like five to seventeen yeah. or something. I don't know. Jordan Poole and Jordan Poole is what kept the Warriors alive. Obviously, he had over twenty points, um, but for me at least, I thought it was a very frustrating loss. But winning in Miami really put that game in the rearview window for me, as it probably shouldn't because it's probably the worst loss of the year. But. I just thought the Miami game was quite impressive on a back-to-back. Yeah, I agree with that. With no Draymond, with no Otter Porter Jr. And going up against the quarter, going up against the team that is in first place in the Eastern Conference. They're not the best team in the Eastern Conference, but the Heat as record-wise, first place team in the Eastern Conference. I I agree with that. Yeah, obviously the Miami kind of cured a little bit of the sourness but like like you said the defense has been concerning and in the beginning of the year uh we were praising the warriors for their defense and we would we thought that draymond when he came back would kind of uplift them back to that number one status um and that really hasn't shown uh, especially against the hawks where the hawks just basically torched them for 124 points, I think. No, that that was uh, tonight. That, that was, was just that was just bad defense. It was really bad. Like the, the Hawks are incredibly bad defensive team. They're bot. They're I think they're 27th in the NBA or in the 20s. The Warriors put up 42 points in the first quarter, but they also allowed 36 points. And then the fact they that scored 68. The, the fact that Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole both had 22 points at halftime, and they were still down. For a team that it, for a team whose coach brags about how good their defense is, that that's just it's pitiful. It's it's just bad. Um, 
it also didn't help from, I think, Steve Kerr did not coach a great game against Atlanta from the fact that he opted for Damian Mr. Lee. Mr. Damian Lee. Damian yeah. Lee instead of Draymond Green because Damian Lee was when he was on the floor, he was getting stops. I'm not going to, I'm not going to swear or anything because my mom <laughs> listens, but that is BS. You have a defensive player of the year, former defensive player of the year on your bench in Draymond Green, and you opt to play Damian Lee over him. Draymond Green only got 27 minutes tonight. Yes, he's he was horrible offensively, but in regards to defense, Draymond Green should be on the floor instead of Damian Lee. That's that's just that's that is not a what a top 15 coach of all time would do. And you know what's even hilarious? Uh, Draymond was icing his knees, right? And Steve Kerr decides to bring him in with one minute left. And you know what the Hawks do? They run a pick and roll with involving Dre, and they get a wide open three. It's just like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> um, it's like, is he really a top 15 coach? I feel like it's time to start this conversation. Um, I think look at the record. He's 30 and 38. Well, now he's 31 and 39 without Steph. Um, on the floor in his career. Um, pretty sure. He no, because you're, for, you're forgetting the 15 and 50 season. Yeah. He, he, so in the past two years, he's 31 and 39 without stuff on the floor. Then you have the tank season, which I don't really count in my books. That was just a wrap after Steph got hurt. I think seriously, when he got here in 2015, and Steph, Clay, and Draymond were on the were on the rise and forming the chemistry, and they won the championship. He, Steve Kerr, was carried by Steph Curry's talent and the Warriors as a whole, and the talent on the team. When Kevin Durant came, that made it even easier for Steve Kerr's talent, or for Steve Kerr to be carried by the talent on the team. I think if he seriously, like he has said in interviews. Um, what he said on John Stewart's podcast a couple of months ago, if he seriously took that New York Knicks job, which he was offered by he with, with the current state of that Knicks organization and that roster in 2015, he, with the, his coaching style, he had been probably done by three years. I would say that's three years is a little generous. I would say two. He would have been fired. I'm just, state in that i think steve kerr is a very good coach i think a lot of players buy into a system but i think he's very stubborn and not changing the system kevin durant having kevin durant seth curry clay thompson draymond green nandre gadala all on the floor running your motion offense works because all those guys understand the motion offense and are high ball uh, have high ball iq or high ball iq players Running that motion offense with a starting lineup of Chris Gioza, um, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, uh, Brad Wanamaker, and Kelly Oubre, Jordan Bell. You can't run, you can't run that offense with those guys. And I think Steve Kerr at times was too stubborn to make to change that to make sure it uh, was played down to the player's strengths. And I think his resume makes him a top 15 coach of all time. But in my opinion, you can make an argument to say that he was carried by his carried by the talent that he has coached. I think he is a, still a tremendously good coach, but I think there's a part of me who seriously thinks that Steph Curry has carried <laughs> Steve Kerr's coaching career. I want, I, agree, I want to agree with that, too, and I want to prove my point with some things. In 2016, that 73-9 and nine team, when Steve Kerr had, I think, that, that back problem, Luke Walton went 39-4 and four with that Warriors team. And look at Luke Walton now. He went to the Lakers, he went to Sacramento, and he got shipped in, like, one or two years. Mike Brown, another example, 
in 2017 when Steve Kerr had the back problem. He did wonderful. So, I mean, you do. You, you also got to point out that Mike Brown was also the coach of the Cavs early in LeBron's days. That's true. And he bought, uh, I would say LeBron carried that team, but like. I wouldn't say LeBron carried. You could make an argument for LeBron carrying that team because only two players I know from that team are Mo Williams and Anderson Barishow, and that's about (laughs) it. Um, But I think in a a lot of places where LeBron has been, I think he's carried um, most of those teams. I think the heat, the, those Miami Heat years, Eric Spolstra is one hell of a coach. I think he seriously didn't, I don't think he carried Eric Spolstra, but he also had, was playing with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch. Um, but I want to say, I, this I, too. I understand your point. I understand your point. I want to say this too. I think Tyron Lou is a better coach than Steve Kerr. You look at this Clippers, this year's Clippers team with no Paul George and no Kawhi Leonard for literally the entire season. And that team is literally a 500 team. I mean, I mean, and Tyron Lou is literally out coached Steve Kerr. You look at 2016. I know, I know that was rigged and all that, but Steve, um, Tyron Lou literally was perfect in how he played the um, coached the game. Um, I just think he's better than Steve Kerr. Do you, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Or, I mean, I think Tyron Lewis is a hell of a coach. Um, I think Steve Kerr is a hell of a coach, but there have been multiple moments throughout each of their careers when they've matched up that Tyron Lou has outcoached Steve Kerr by a wide margin. Um, and it was the prime example of this year when the Warriors were playing the Clippers in January, I think. See, oh yeah, it was uh, January. Yeah, it was. It was January, and Steph had like twenty points in the first quarter, and yeah. then it all went downhill from there. And I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Tyron Lue put out a starting lineup of Reggie Jackson, Lou Kennard, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, I think, Marcus Morris, and. And uh, Eva Zubac. Jesus. <laughs> and the Warriors put out Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevin Looney. You should win that game going up against those guys. But Tyron Liu played to his players' strengths and outcoached Steve Kerr. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, Steve, for the amount of talent that Steve Kerr has on his roster. There should be many games this year that the Warriors have lost that they should have won. And that's Spurs, even though I did not watch the game, watching that final two possessions, the Warriors should have won that game. And Andrew Wiggins should know how to make free throws. The Warriors, this the past couple of weeks, the Warriors have been shooting like a damn college team with watching so much March Madness. It's it, it's ridiculous. For NBA players, Andrew Wiggins gets paid 30 plus million dollars a year. And it, it's like, it's like easy money to bet that he makes only one of his two free throws. Yeah. But, it would be literally favorites to like uh, on Bovada or something like literally Steve Kerr's experiments have cost the Warriors wins and seedings. If Steve yeah, Kerr can, decided. Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. say goodbye to the two seed now. Two yeah, seeds, it's gone. Yeah. That two seed is gone. <laughs> the, war, the fact that the warrior, that the Grizzlies have been winning, they beat the damn nets without John Morant. The Warriors would not come close to beating the nets without Steph. I'm just going to say that real quick. The Warriors would have, if the Warriors played at home against KD and Kyrie with no Steph, Warriors probably lose by 20. Maybe 30. I agree with that. I agree with that. They, they would have gotten cooked. The only two guys who are offensive weapons right now are Clay and Jordan Poole. They carry the offense. Andrew Wiggins doesn't. Andrew Wiggins is like a ghost out there sometimes. Draymond doesn't contribute offensively. Kevon Looney gets cooked in the paint because there's no other size help to help. It's just overall, I just think Steve Kerr is a very good coach. I think he based on his resume is deserving of top 15, but I, 
I will make a serious argument that he has been carried by Steph Curry throughout most of his career and carried by the amount of talent that he's had on rosters. Not most of his career, all of his coaching career. Exactly, all of his coaching career, same thing. Yeah, and with that coaching, you know, the Warriors are in danger of falling to the fourth or fifth seed. I don't know what, I think they're only like three games ahead, but like, Every game's critical, and well, they decide to. Wasn't, that's why. That's why. When I knew that, when I saw that Steph was out for two weeks minimum, I knew that there was there's a serious chance they would fall to the five seed with the, with their with the schedule that they have. Yeah, and when after seeing that they lost the only two winnable games, like they could win without the Magic, I knew the words were cooked. After that, but somehow, <laughs> they, somehow they beat the Heat, which is okay. If they still had the number one defense in the league, they probably would have beaten the Hawks. Um, they play the Wizards on Sunday, which is a winnable game. But you that know, should be a must-win, right? It should be a must-win. <laughs> that should be a winnable game. But the Warriors <laughs> lost to the Magic, so who knows? No. Um, <laughs> the Warriors and the Grizzlies and the Warriors and the Suns. Yeah, those are two L's. You can already book that. Um, the Jazz, I think that that could be. A, that's an L, bro. No, that, that's an L, bro. That needs, that needs to be a win, though. That needs to be a win. If that's an L, if you got a Jazz that just gains a game, a game on you, and they're uh, cooked right now. The Warriors should beat the Kings. The Kings are twenty-two games under five hundred. Um, if the Warriors lose to the Lakers, uh... <laughs> we're cooked, bro. <laughs> you shouldn't lose to the Lakers. Uh, even though you are, you already have, um, then the Warriors play the Spurs and the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are uh, on a hot streak right now. So you look right now, yeah, the Memphis is three games up. They actually know how to win without their best players. So um, they <laughs> you have look the like second, headless chicken up there. They have second seed locked up. The Warriors are currently three games up on the Jazz. Um. Then three games up on both Dallas and Utah and five games up on Denver. So right now, playoffs started today. The Warriors would get a first-round matchup with the Nuggets. Like I said in previous episodes, I think the Nuggets and the Mavericks are probably the best option for the Warriors. Granted, Steph comes back healthy and he plays the entire series. If Steph misses some points of the series. um, We're cooked, bro. The Warriors could lose. <laughs> they may lose, actually. <laughs> um, and if they do lose in the first round, it's an automatic F for the season. From the by the way, they started this season. I gave them an F because they. What do you mean it's an F to start the season? They went like twenty-one and four. <laughs> no, an F overall if they lose in the first round with the. Way oh, they okay, the okay, okay. Um. No, you can't lose in the first round with the amount of talent you have on this team. Granted, yeah. saying that if Andrew Wiggins lives up to how much he gets paid. Hey, this could um, be an ironic series if Nuggets Warriors, because we remember back in 2013, the Warriors were a six seed and the Nuggets were a three seed. And we know how we know how that happened, right? The six seed upset the three seed. So I hope history won't repeat itself when this happens. The good news about the emergence of Jordan Poole is that when Steph comes back, you can seriously throw out a three-guard lineup with Steph Clay and Jordan Poole, which I think can be deadly. Um, you have to start that lineup. Like, there's no questions. If, if there's no Clay, if, and or but. If Clay is shooting like he did tonight against the Hawks, where he had like 37 points, if he's shooting lights out, that lineup is – it's lights out. And it, I think that game against the Bucks. um couple Saturdays ago, it showed how deadly that lineup can be. And I think the Nuggets, if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are not available, I think it'll be very favorable to the Warriors. Um, they've gone into Denver and beaten them before. Um, but Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are both back for that series. And Steph isn't healthy. It's chalked, bro. It's chalked. It's a toss-up, in my opinion. 
Um, he's supposed to be back two weeks. It's been, I think it's a been week a week now. already. Yeah. So it's been one week. So two weeks from now would be. It would be against either the the Spurs or the Pelicans. That's the Who... earliest he would come back. Or the latest, I don't know. Two weeks from now would be Wednesday against the Suns next week. Don't think he'll come back for that. I think he'll probably come back for those final three games, final two games. So April 7th, April 6th, so probably three weeks he's going to be out. Um, Because if he he comes back and he's in a slump before the postseason. Oh, it's chalked, bro. It's over. With With the way the Warriors perform offensively, it's over, bro. I consider myself an optimist, but nah. We are not getting out of the second round if Steph plays like that in the slump. Just let let's just keep it real. Let's keep it a buck fifty. See, this is now now this why going for the second trying to say in the second C was important because you would have matched up with one of the playing teams. But I think the Grizzlies are gonna I think if the Grizzlies are will be getting an unfavorable matchup if they have to play the, the Timberwolves. The Lakers. No, the Lakers nope. are not making nope. it. The Lakers nope. are not making nope. it. I'm going to be honest nope. with you. Nope. 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 <laughs> I think the Lakers will be a seven seed if they get into that eight eight seed range. Oh, well, currently they're behind four by four games. So never mind. They won't be getting into that seed. Um, but they play the Timberwolves or the Clippers. Um, Jeez, the Timberwolves are good. 43 and 32. My God, they're finally relevant. I didn't notice. <laughs> um, but I think the I think that the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves would be a good series. Um, but I think whoever plays the Suns, they're getting gentlemen swept in five games. The Suns are too good. And Devin Booker, I think, should be seriously considered for an MVP candidate, as much as I hate saying that. Um, All right. Uh, we're getting off a little on tangents here about NBA playoffs, which is a good thing. But I want to reel it back. But the Warriors um, should be the Warriors should be a two seed, which they won't be. So they'll be a three seed, and uh, they'll probably play the Nuggets, which should be a nightmare lineup for Kevon Looney. But you know, Kevon Looney's put Jokic in prison before, so I mean, he has to face it against Demarcus Cousins. So I mean, good luck. I'm not afraid of Boogie. He's like 45. <laughs> All right. Um, in recent news, uh, James Wiseman is out for the season, which I predicted. Um, I would think this is a failure in the front office, Zach. Um, I, I see you shaking your head. What do you think? I say it's a failure in the front office of not getting a big. I, 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 I understand everyone's opinion. I respect everyone's opinion. But what can you do? Why is it? I don't understand why. I understand from a fan's perspective, it's you get pissed off at it. It's frustrating, but what do you want him to do, man? No, I'm saying is we knew the swelling has been happening ever since December, right? I didn't from that, know. Our, yeah. <laughs> I know he came. I, I know he came back, but the front office. Would have definitely known. About I understand. The I, under, I understand, and I perfectly agree with you. I think the Warriors would be in a better situation if they went out and got another big man. I think the Warriors would have been in a better situation if they drafted Lamelo Ball as a number two pick, but that didn't happen. Um, um, Lamelo Ball is what would happen to Jordan Poole. That's the uh, that's trade off. Got a point. Got a point. Got a point. I agree. I know there's a lot of trade offs in that scenario, but we're in this Wiseman scenario right now. Um, the fact okay, that I got the, a question: Does he okay, ever go play, ahead. Does he ever play another game for the Golden State Warriors? Ooh, I don't think so because Joe Lacob has like a fetish for him. I think so. Joe Lacob will do everything in his power to get James Wiseman into the starting lineup as early as next so you, season. So you do think he'll play another game for the Warriors? Yes, but I think they. I think he shouldn't because let's look at it. Who would you trade him for? Honestly, Picks or a player? Someone, player. 
Obviously, it wouldn't make sense. Obviously, there's no market for James Wiseman because his value is so low. But I mean, what can't I mean? The Warriors I have no play. options. Warriors have no options with Wiseman other than to play him. True. You know, I would say to trade him, but I know they can't trade Wiseman because of his trade value being so low, him being so raw. Um, like there's just no nowhere to move him. And if you do, you would have to you have to attach a pick. You probably would have to attach one of Moody or Kaminga. And obviously, you don't want to trade Kaminga, especially with the talent and athleticism that Kaminga has. He's shown it. And you don't want to trade Kaminga because that's basically your future. You're trading away. Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole are untouchable in my mind. And they've, and they've proved that to me. And Moses Moody is pretty close to proving that to me as well. James Wiseman. Uh, yeah, he's on a tradable list if he's if he is even tradable. No, um, like I'm saying, he is not tradable at this point. I think he ends up playing another game for the Warriors. Um, but I agree, this is a failure on the front office's part because they probably knew that the injury was not getting better and they swept it under the rug didn't get the didn't leak it to the media didn't have anyone know and a normal meniscus injury you're you're supposed to be out 10 months jaron jackson was out 10 8 10 months james weisman's been got injured and still injured march march of last year and he's still injured almost in april this year so that's a year um but just I just feel bad for him, honestly. He's still, I do too. He's still I do a human. Too. I think um, it's just a tough break. Um, I know. I understand with James. I know it's a rough position to be in, but obviously the pressure is going to be there for him in year three to perform. Like he's already, I, uh, there's probably stuff out there saying that he's a bust already. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is in that, in that business. I do want to address some counter arguments, though. People are going to say that the Warriors only had two bigs that didn't really contribute in the twenty in the early dynasty round. You had Bogut and Azili. Later on, you had uh, Zaza, uh, David West, and Javale McGee. That's a good counter argument, but I want to address the problem with that now. The resurgence of the center position. I just want to say that you got guys, huh? You only have one center now, and he's not even seven foot. I know that's the problem. The resurgence of the center position just makes the Warriors more vulnerable. DeAndre Ayton, Nicole Jokic. Uh, who else we got? Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and Steve Kerr just said they're okay with their center position with Dre, Looney, and playing small ball five. <laughs> you were laughing at this because the the fact that he said that after tonight's game where he saw Draymond getting Bullied by the, Clint Capella. Beaten up in the post by Clint Capella all night. Nah, man. Oh, Jesus. Like, the only reason, the only reason why the two bigs that I mentioned earlier only worked is because you got KD. And early on, the, the center position wasn't as dominant. Um, KD can now, play every position on the floor. Yeah. But now you got so many versatile bigs that it's the like that you have your rookie first round pick and Jonathan Kaminga going up against centers because you don't have any size in your roster is a problem. That's a big problem. Um, and the fact that the Warriors were too stubborn to go out and fill that need because they didn't want to spend money and they wanted to say that the rookie was coming back when they probably knew that he was never coming back is a bunch of BS. And that just it just shows that what Steve said in the beginning of the year about chasing wins, that wasn't is very cap. That wasn't very chasing wins of him to not go out and get a center. I understand that he's the coach. He's not in the front office. But I am sure that him and Bob Myers – they, 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 
talk about things and talk about what's wrong with the team, what the team needs, etc. I'm sure that they have each other's phone numbers. And he could have given Bob a dial and said that we're lacking some size. Bob probably said, yeah, I noticed that. And then Joe Lacob probably laid the damn hammer on it because Joe Lacob doesn't want to spend any money. And he's got James Wiseman coming back. And James Wiseman ended up not coming back this year. And Warriors are in an even deeper hole. And I'm just saying, the Warriors have beaten the Suns this year, or shorthanded, like on Christmas. But if the Warriors end up getting to the conference finals and playing the Suns with the lack of size that they have, they will seriously get cooked by DeAndre Ayton. I agree with that. You look at a Suns like, team. I, I think Kevon Looney is a very good center. He's a very serviceable center. I think Kevon Looney is a very good player. But DeAndre Ayton will – the Suns will expose the Warriors and use Ayton to attack him in the paint all the time. And it will be a nightmare for the Warriors defensively. Yeah. I want to compare the centers from the first dynasty playoff run to now. In that 2015 playoffs, you're playing the Pelicans who had Anthony Davis, the young Anthony Davis. Round two was Mark Gasol. Round uh, the conference final was Dwight Howard. And the finals, you would say Mozgov. I mean, those guys wouldn't survive in this league. Let's be honest here. Um, now you just got versatile bigs, so you're just going to have to pray that you do good. You do good enough to contain them. And I don't, I don't trust this Warriors team enough to contain that, um, contain the likes of the centers that we've mentioned time and time again that will give the Warriors problems. So, like I said, that time then is completely different to that time now. Warriors needed size. They failed to bring in that size. And I understand that there wasn't a whole ton of options in the buyout market, but hey, they should have tried at least, or I've tried to done it in the free agency, but they did not. They traded for someone, man. Just trade That's a true. second round pick. That's true. And they didn't because they believed that James Wiseman was going to be the, the hope and savior. The, but the, 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 the fact that they've thought that they that they were going to put all of that pressure on James Wiseman's shoulders. I think it's a little messed up, honestly. Yeah, to, 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 to expect a 20-year-old kid who's 20-year-old kid coming back from a meniscus injury to get thrown into the fire and get big time minutes in a playoff run. Nah, man, that's, that's if it was right. Evan Mobley, maybe. Because Evan James Mobley isn't Evan Mobley, though. That's I know. I, I understand that. But if Evan Mobley, James Wiseman you know. is like the next Giannis, bro. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, like last topic we'll talk about. Um, you know, controversial statement from Draymond Green about oh, this is just a little fun topic. I know. I know. Controversial about. If LeBron James is about to break his score, the scoring record of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he said he would, quote-unquote, skip a Warriors game just to watch him surpass that scoring record. Um, let's just say the clutch deal definitely changed him. He would not be saying that back in 2015. Let's be honest here. There's a bunch of receipts saying that. Um, what do you think about that, my guy? How? Oh, you're okay, gonna play that? Passing Carl Malone on the score. Oh, it's, it's with the music, man. I don't need the music, bro. I just need the video. Come on now. Uh, so yeah, uh, about that. Um, I think I've been saying since 2020 after the bubble. Uh, clutch agency is a cult, and if Rich Paul's listening to this, please don't come after me, man. I'm just saying my opinion about your company. It's a cult. Like seriously, the fact the fact that so many guys have this allegiance to one another, what I is that in Game Five of the 2016 NBA Finals, Draymond Green got suspended because he got another Game Four of the NBA Finals. He got suspended for another technical foul when he got into it with LeBron. And I'm pretty sure he called LeBron some expletives, expletives as Draymond would. Um, and he was suspended for game five, which turned around the series and the Warriors lost. 
the fact that he went from that to saying that he would miss a Warriors game, no matter what game it was, to wit- go watch LeBron break Kareem's record is... I'm trying to find a nice way to say this without using expletives. Is sickening the, cra- the craziest blank writing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but I'll pull I'll pull up the clip if anyone ever. <laughs> Everyone talks about uh... uh. I I don't know if I can find it. Um, but it, it's to say that in the middle of the Warriors struggling right now, I think made it a little bit worse. Um, But I understand you got to respect that Draymond's a part of the media now. And he's works for Turner sports when he's not playing and he has his own podcast, but perfectly fine with him expressing his views and his opinions on the game. I think it's good for basketball. I just didn't like what I just feel like that. It just didn't need to be said, in my opinion. I also want to say this, too. And this is Draymond's podcast. I don't – that's his thing. But how many times has he praised LeBron every single episode? He says it a lot, honestly. I don't listen to his podcast, but I'm sure he probably says it a lot because it's clutch. It's clutch culture. And what? how many times has he praised Steph in that podcast? (laughs) Listen to it, but I'm going to – after he broke the three-point title, even if he had his podcast by then. Yeah. Like, do you remember that clip back in something two years ago when a guy named Maverick Carter said that Steph plays no defense and he would cook him right in front of Draymond's face? Oh, yeah. By by the way, by the way, Maverick (laughs) Carter, I bet uh, he's been on multiple shows with LeBron. So I know Draymond will probably have a differing opinion now but i mean it, it's completely changed his personality from those Cavs series in 2015 2016 um, i don't know when he signed with clutch but his personality towards lebron has completely changed i understand that normally when you're in an agency you become good friends with the players um but that's some real crazy blank riding, if I've ever seen some. Oh, he signed with Clutch Sports in 2019. 2019? Oh, so it was after the Dynasty, after those Cavs series. So I'm not, it's not surprising. Not surprising. Because because I'm seriously, if he, if he was with Clutch in 2018 when he was doing the cheerleading stuff on the free throw line to Kendrick Perkins, if he was with Clutch at that time, he wouldn't have been doing that because that was that was he was playing against LeBron. So I'm just saying, I don't know when in 2019, but <laughs> but it was. Some... I saw this on Twitter, but um, yeah, uh, I saw this uh, yeah where I saw this conspiracy where Draymond Green got ejected on purpose so that he could watch uh, LeBron surpass Carl Malone. Uh, for the second place scoring, <laughs> would that be surprising or no? <laughs> if you did that, no, it wouldn't be surprising. But um, first of all, it was a stupid idea to get ejected in the first game without Steph. So, I mean, the Warriors game did start at five thirty, and the Lakers game I think started at seven. He did get ejected in the second quarter. So from my mass adding up, he probably and LeBron I think broke it that record in the first half. So I mean he probably could have saw it live. I mean <laughs> so it could have it could have added up. But and to add salt to the wound, Draymond basically doubled down on that how he was like supporting LeBron. Obviously he's entitled to his own opinion, but it just says and how his where his loyalty Lakers, stands. Bro? Yeah his loyalty for- stands bro. Let's go play for the Lakers. Yeah. We saw, we've defended Draymond through thick and thin, all his antics. But like now, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with this at all. No, I don't agree with it at all. Um, I mean, I respect LeBron. I think he's a very, I think he's changed basketball. Um, he's one of the best players of all time. Um, 
But going through those four Warriors Cavs series, I learned to not like him at all. And I still do not like him. Um, God, shit. I have receipts. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a part of me that still doesn't really like LeBron um, from those Cavs series against the Warriors. Um, and I still like that sort of rivalry, but I think it's all long gone now that Draymond has this thing for LeBron because of the clutch cult. Yeah. And that like the, like the, the massive, you know, riding is kind of ridiculous. Well, to see the thing about clutches is that it's a cult because these guys, Rich Paul goes into Rob Polinka's office the Lakers GM and is like asking him to trade for players. One, do you ever see in previous years, say 10, 15 years ago, agents going into general managers offices and telling them to trade for players. Never, never seen that happen. And it's because LeBron's got the superstar status. I mean, shit, not my fault. You traded for Russell Westbrook, bro. Look at you guys now in 10 seed. I mean, it, if that rumor was true that LeBron wanted if to sign DeMar DeRozan, but the Lakers weren't willing to, the Lakers would not be in the playing tournament right now. Yeah, they would definitely be a high seed. Yeah, they'd be in probably top four seed in the West behind, with the Warriors, Grizzlies, and Suns. But, but hey. What can you do? What can you do? Anything can happen in March. St. Peter's, Peacocks. <laughs> Final four bound. I still believe in that. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I like the, I like the, I like the, go Cox, man. Go Cox. That'll do it for episode number 81 of the Catching Dubs podcast. Make sure you uh, follow us on Instagram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod. Make sure you uh, tune in and watch the Warriors on Sunday against the Wizards and they hopefully win. Catch you in the next one. Thanks, y'all. So what? So you should enjoy yourself.